Poop, poop, she doop, doop, that. Woo! The butthole is the window to the colon. Oh. I know we just ordered burgers, but I really want a crunch up. Damn it, Nikki! Babe. Hot rock make boat go. What? Interesting. Hot rock make boat go? Mm-hmm. Coal. Oh. Or, uh, uh, uranium. Shh, don't give away the topic. <laughs> Um, if I had to choose to vacation between Hawaii and Alaska, I think I'd go to Alaska because I lived in Hawaii, but I'd like really like to go back. But I think I'd like to go somewhere that I haven't been before first. I think Alaska would be cool. Alaska would be fun. We'll do like Alaskan cruise. Do this Tomorrow. Let's go. We'll vlog the whole thing. Cruises are cheap right now. <laughs> <laughs> no. no. All right. Go ahead. Hey. Topic no. time. I'm calling it now. By the end of June, there will be confirmed a movie for community book. Okay. Those are a lot of words that mean nothing. Did you guys know that Riley likes community? <laughs> Hi, I'm Nikki. I'm Levi. I'm Alyssa. I'm Riley. And, and this, this is Rogue, Rogue Ramblings. Ramblings, a podcast featuring controversial topics, interesting ideas, and random nonsense. Oh. You the boot in there. <laughs> it won't let me stop. Elizabeth. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm Levi. I am today's master debater. And today we're going to be talking about renewable energy and also nuclear reactors or switching us to and how we feel about that and our extensive knowledge of. Nuclear energy. Yes. Yes, all of us. Definitely not just you. I do not have extensive knowledge in <laughs> nuclear energy. Let me put that out there. It's expensive compared to mine. Fair. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I find myself getting into this conversation a lot, talking about energy. Is just, uh, why not be way more, or rely a lot more on nuclear power plants to power the and lots of people tend to swing hard that they're very dangerous. Um, I'm curious what you guys think. I, from what I've heard, generally they're not actually that dangerous unless you have like a meltdown. And that's when it's bad. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of people are against it because of the fear of like, uh, where was it? In, was it Japan that had the big one? Yeah. Fukushima. Fukushima. Fukushima, yeah. And it's still, like, you still have to be careful going in. And there's yeah. still... I'm pretty sure it's still radiation. Nuclear strays out there that have all these negative effects on them that are dogs that are breeding and, or not breeding if it's, you know, really bad. But I don't know. I think that's where the fear comes from because if it does go bad, it goes bad. It goes real. Yeah, that's essentially what I was going to touch on is that, like, it's one of the safer comparatively to, like, other things. Like, you know, as far as, like, it doesn't have very many accidents, but when it does, it goes really bad. And the problem is, um, Fukushima, if I'm not mistaken, it was a tsunami that took out their coolant, like, the way that they cooled it. And that was the problem. And what sucks, though, is that you're reliant on the, like, well, not reliant, but, like, the ocean is the best place to do it because you can get a lot of water and, like, it's the easiest way to do it, to keep it cool so that it doesn't have a meltdown. 
but then it's also obviously at the mercy of the ocean. And also, um, random tangent, because we all know that's what I do. There was a guy that I guess he went um, every single day and he'd go and feed the animals and stuff because so many people abandoned their pets and everything when it happened and he didn't want them to be alone. And they're like, well, aren't you worried about like the negative side effects of it? And he's like 50 or so. And he's like, by the time it starts affecting me, I'll be dying anyway. So he's like, I don't really care. I'd rather them get taken care of. So he went up there like every single day and like fed all the animals mm-hmm. and made sure they were taken care of. Oh, that was really sweet. Yeah, what happened with Fukushima was the tsunami. And the water levels got into the electronic and created electrical short. That's what it was. And that basically, I mean, then you have no control over the reaction. When you have electricity and it's powered and you have coolant, then it's extremely safe. But yeah, I mean, it's a valid argument. When it does go wrong, it goes extremely wrong. But also say that since Fukushima, I mean, even now, that was nine years ago now. Oh, wow. <laughs> but, I mean, I you're still... I know it was so soon, actually. Yes, that was 2011. Wow. I was in Hawaii when the tsunami happened. We got the warning and everything. Kind of crazy. With his family, not in the military. I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Were you in high school? timeline. <laughs> happened to be on vacation, though. Um, but, yeah. Um, obviously, we're still... I mean, that's the thing, though. When you say when it goes wrong, it goes horribly wrong. Because, like, you're still seeing effects, like, in Chernobyl... So kinda, I was going to ask, wasn't that the same thing? That's what I was going to ask you about. Chernobyl, a test went wrong. They were... And that was back, I think, in like the 50s, right? Or like the 60s. Of. It was like a while ago. Yeah, it was a mismanaged reactor. I mean, and that then was did a, they not... one of the first few generations of reactors. And, you know, we didn't know a whole lot about it when we started like doing that stuff. And didn't they not necessarily handle it properly? I remember we only watched like one episode there. Like, I think Hulu did like a Chernobyl thing. And I mean, it was... Chernobyl. <laughs> I don't know how to say it. Fuck you. I'm dyslexic. Because like to make fun of my disability. Chernobyl. You're not reading it out loud. That's what you can't say. You can't even say it out loud either. Chernobyl. 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 Yeah, right? Chernobyl. Chernobyl. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> my mouth doesn't work like that. Fuck you. It's okay. I just um, said Chernobyl. <laughs> Everyone's like, and any credibility we thought they had is now gone. It's another word for a throne, a Chernobyl. Anyway, I I know, and like, I know that's not obviously like entirely like they fictionalize a lot of it, but from what I know is like, didn't they didn't know how to handle it necessarily, and they didn't want to like cause panic, so they didn't. I mean, compared to that, especially nowadays, like you wouldn't handle it the way that they did. They were just like sending people in without suits or anything because they. We're just trying to fight the fire. From what I know about what happened, is they pushed on a test too hard and lost coolant. And by the time even the people watching the reactor knew it was happening, like there's nothing you can do with a runaway fission reaction like that. Like, there's no suit to go in there and fix. Like it's so extreme, you know. It'll melt in the like right there in the reactor core. Do you need to be near body of water, or can you do this in the um, why they're put next to water, like a lot of water, is because you always have a source of primary coolant. The primary coolant reactors is just water. All right, so I say we just pick a state, evacuate it, you know, <laughs> and put reactors every 50 miles apart yeah. and then power the country. I mean, it's not a bad idea. Automate yeah. them. So is this kind of power going to be the same thing, though, where, um, like, even if you get solar on your home, the government and... The big business, they actually control it, and you still 
like, you know, um, how mom and dad's work out in California is they, PGE runs it and they use the power and then they give mom and dad a discount based off how much power they're giving. So they're basically just giving it to big business. They're not actually using it so much. Yeah. Well, reactors aren't on the small scales like home to home. And it would have to be controlled by the government. Yeah. Like and everything. the but... one that comes to mind, the Diablo plant in California is like a PG&E. Like PG invests money to build a nuclear plant, but it's like seven megawatts of power constant. So... And it's just always there. So, so it's not like solar where it's like each individual person can have it. It's yeah. just like, it'd be like PG&E, but instead of using gas, they'd use nuclear energy. Okay. So you'd still be paying whatever amount they decide you want, they want you to pay. It's just a more efficient way of having energy, but that doesn't mean that they're necessarily going to charge you less. Do you think that's one of the reasons people are against it too? Is it would raise costs or would it lower the cost of... It would, it would probably lower costs because uranium is... I mean, I don't know for sure, but, like, uranium, the cores, are readily available, and there's a lot of people that work in that field, especially in the military, that come out and need jobs. And it's expensive to build it, but then right. there's no... There's, okay, there's very little maintenance that requires new um, parts. Like you don't really replace parts, but the actual fuel rods themselves will last, like, 30 years before they... And that's just... To the point where they're probably like, I don't know, probably 40 to 50% efficiency because it works on uh, fission. So just the uranium, you know, degrades down into lighter elements at that point. It's just not producing enough heat. But, yeah, it, it is a big money saver. It's just the safety thing that prevents a lot of people and governments and authorities from trusting it. I would also argue that it prevents governments and big business from supporting it because it would be they wouldn't be able to make as much profit out of it yeah i mean i guess technically it could make more profit though because you can still charge a more amount despite the fact that it doesn't cost you that much to make that's true they you know the bigger the margin the more you can charge or like you still charge the same amount as you were before and be like oh yeah this is what we're doing now but it still costs the same and then you're just pocketing extra money because i mean if it's energy unless you have something like solar you can't really say no i don't want your energy you know they can charge you whatever they want can i make a small nuclear reactor in my backyard no. to power my house yeah. <laughs> i would not advise it so that i don't have to go legally there probably not though because they're going to be putting your neighbors in danger yeah I mean, even if there was some loophole, you'd have some probable task force knocking on your door. Well, and I'm sure, like, to an extent, if something did go wrong, you'd be very liable. I just don't want to give more um, control over my power and stuff. Well, to be yeah. fair, I don't know how solar works out here in Colorado, so it might be different than what mom and dad deal with. I don't know, though. I mean, I haven't looked into it, so don't. I may be talking on my ass. I feel like this is just stigmatism towards nuclear energy. That before we have reactors running on Earth, we'll be harvesting energy directly from the sun. Like hmm. nu nuclear reactors? Yeah. We have them. Well, it, well like, like converting like to a primary energy source. Hmm. And when I say harvesting directly from the sun, I don't mean solar panels. I mean like yeah, like heat or something. Like a clash. 
class two civilization. Yeah. Kind of random, but what's really interesting is the idea of how much energy lightning gives. If we would be able to harness that, that would be a really effective way of providing energy to people. It's just, I don't know, because me and Levi have talked about this, where it's just like how much power lightning contains, but it's just like a matter of that. It's like, it's so unpredictable. You can't, like, you can't create it the way that it would provide that much energy, and like, we don't have any way of harnessing it. Because it's just so much so quickly that it's not like a slow thing like solar. You're slowly absorbing it, you know? It's like a, you know, a flash of lightning, and then that it's done. <laughs> yeah. Also, do you guys know, like, how nuclear reactors, like, make electricity? No. A lot of people, like, I mean, you just never think about it. But literally, it's just, the, they use the uranium as a heat source to boil water oh. and spin a turbine. You know, so it's kind of like... They make steam, spin the turbine. Would it be like like those um, the water ones where it's like it's a wheel and you can use a wheel to like power things? Yeah, but like on like a like that's like a very basic version of it. Yeah, so like (laughs) there's the primary coolant. There's like pipes of water going through that are pressurized, so that the vapor vaporization point is like 500 degrees, probably not that high, like 300 degrees of water. And so it gets crazy hot, and then it goes into a chamber where it's allowed to like uh, depressurize and turn into steam. And that steam gets forced through a pipe and into a turbine and just spins it. And then it comes back through the loop and has a condenser and goes back in and everything. That's cool. Yeah. But it's like, I don't know. I didn't realize that until I was in the Navy, that that's how reactors work, is it just makes steam. Like that's, <laughs> I don't know. It seems so much more simple when you realize that. Right. Yeah. Um, so changing the topic, I'm curious. I hope you don't mind me branching. No. Um, but what what do you think is the most? I don't know. Not dangerous, but um, I guess just the worst environmentally um, impactful renewable energy source. I know it's all about saving the planet and not using coal and not using gas and not using, you know, all that. But which, what do you think is the worst? Are, like, wind turbines, um, mm. water, like, doing more water wheels. Uh, what's some other ones? The Solar. Geothermal, solar. Do we even have decent geothermal generators right now? Yeah. Um, I feel like I hear about that the least. Most of geothermal is, um, like, for actual individual houses, and it's used as, like, but there's not a whole lot that's used for, like, I mean, I don't even know of any that's used for actually generating electricity. I mean, so, you can, you we have to, like, drill a hole in the earth, like, however many miles, and then... Yeah, and I just... Well, similar to nuclear reaction, you just boil water, right? Yeah. Dude. And... Yeah, I don't know how deep you'd have to go to get a significant temperature. I think the deepest hole is in Russia, and it's, like, one mile, one or two miles. I don't know how deep, but it yeah, is in Russia. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so what do you guys think is the most, um, has the most cons, I guess? I'm pretty sure I know the answer, but you guys can I think it's water. There's mm-hmm. a lot of upkeep and maintenance involved in that. Yeah. What, what, what do you mean? Like, like, like water with like turns, turbines, whatever. The water. It's salt water most of the time in the ocean. It's the best current. What, you're talking about like a, like a river turbine or like a tidal energy? Yeah, like tidal energy, I guess. Yeah. It's salt. Is so corrosive 
I know, like, um, I've heard, like, even, like, upkeep on some rings or boats in general. Like, it's so intense. Like, they have divers specifically that go down there and, like, have to scrape it and, like, get it back up in shape. And it's, like, it's ridiculous how destructive salt is. Mm-hmm. Especially to metal, which, I mean, most things in the ocean are going to be made of metal because that makes the most sense. Especially, like, a big thing. Like, you're not going to have a boat that's made of wood that's, like, giant. Yeah. Plus, well, as a rule of thumb, with most mechanics, the more moving parts, the quicker they they yeah, absolutely. So solar panels. It's one thing. For, for, <laughs> yeah. for sustainability. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, I think wind and water would be the... I think wind is the most. I know um, I've heard that it can be really destructive to, like, the environment as far as, like, birds and things like that. It, like, can cause, like, a really massive problem to the uh, ecological system. Would that be the way that you phrase that? You call it? Ecosystem. Ecosystem. We're called logical. Ecosystem, like, I mean, I heard that that could be really disruptive. I'm doing this all opinion-based, yeah. by the way. Yeah. I, have, I have no actual opinion. There's a lot of studies that have been put out that when you trace back, you realize who's funding the studies, and it's usually big oil. Mm-hmm. Like, the birds thing is one. Yeah. And I remember last time I looked into it, house cats are responsible for, like, three times the amount of killing birds than... By the way, this is a general PSA. Please keep your cats indoors. It's safer for them and it's safer for everyone. Talk about a controversial subject. Oh my god. <laughs> that could be its own topic. <laughs> just cats being indoor, outdoor, or outdoor, or just indoor. But I mean, we've even seen tweets from people in charge saying that wind farms cause cancer. Oh. So. Well. <laughs> yeah. I think, I don't know, wind turbines me the most almost like whales like i have this illogical fear <laughs> bigger than you think they are well and i remember watching yeah. once this video um because it was on the internet of these two guys who were doing maintenance on one mm-hmm. and it caught fire and they were outside and they had no way of getting down like the fire was inside the building they couldn't get past it so it was just them standing on the tip of the turbine waiting for their demise do you jump? Do you try and miss the flames? What do you do? Because no one can rescue you right there. There's big spinning blades. Like, so I think that's part of where that fear comes from. But yeah, you hear all the time the birds, and it's like, well, that's been disproven somewhat by, I mean, you have to weigh it either side, because one side is saying cats do more, but they are for it, and one side saying no, they kill a ton of birds, and they're against it. I think the salt water is a good point, and then also you think about, okay, well, let's argue fish. If we're going to argue birds with wind turbines, what are we doing to wildlife in the sea or the rivers or, you know, however we do that? I think water would probably be more destructive. To play devil's advocate, I think, for, if we're calling up the cat thing, plastic for fish. we're doing much worse to fish not that like it does not saying that like oh well we're already fucking them over with plastic we might as well fuck them over with water turbines i'm I'm not like that i'm not just because we're doing this means that we should also do this we should fix both (laughs) i always like to put a comparison of what we're currently using like oil and coal yeah think about how many birds that kills a bottle of spills to pollution Ooh, nikki's got I have a tangent to go off on. Let's do it. That has nothing to do with renewable energy, but it has to do with bags. With Mm. plastic bags, paper bags versus the reusable. reusable. And um, there was a recent study that came out, and freaking NPR did a talk on it, which they're very liberal. So for them to do a talk on it and it to be a go against their main thing, 
I kind of trusted a little bit more. Um, it wasn't their study, but it was a, a study, um, an actual a Dutch study, where they looked at creating paper bags, creating plastic bags, their environmental impacts as they break down versus creating reusable bags. Yeah. And it came out to reusable bags, for the most part, are actually a lot worse for the environment than plastic. Plastic's one of the best, especially if you use it over again. But the pro because even though it goes out into the sea and it takes forever to break down and it's, you know, it does all this bad stuff, everything they use to create the reusable bags is so much worse for the ozone, mm. for um, the water near it, for everything that you'd have to reuse that bag tens of thousands of times or something like that. I don't remember the study exactly, so I cannot tell you for sure, but wow. there was one that was actually better. Um, it wasn't as good in production as plastic bags, but it was like, um, I don't remember what kind it was, but it was one specific kind of renewable bag or reusable bag made from one specific material. So maybe like cloth over like the plastic ones that you don't see? Maybe it was the cloth. Mm. I think it was one of the plastic ones, but it was a specific material and interesting. It was wild. Yeah. Plastic, I would venture to say, is one of our greatest discoveries. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. He's very really up there. It is incredible. It's durable. It lasts forever. The problem is how we used it. Yeah. The problem is not plastic. To just, just throw them it. away. Like... It's insane when you think about it, how it's because they're so cheap that, like, I mean, no one who's throwing away shopping bags made out of plastic are thinking even about the cost of them because they're so cheap. They're that cheap where it's not factored in. So we just throw them away. But if we were more responsible at how we use plastic, like, the world would be so different because it is so strong and durable. Why would you just throw it away? I have something that might make you feel a little bit better about that. Um, in California and in a couple of other areas where they banned plastic bags, they also did a study where they found that, um, and this was all a part of the same thing they brought about, but um, they found that people skyrocketed their purchase of um, trash can liners for small trash cans as soon as the plastic bag was done. People were used oh. for their little trash cans at home. And hmm. it was crazy that there was actually a correlation in the rise of purchasing the, like, little five-gallon trash bags from the store. Hmm. Also interesting, I guess, um, people, they found that people would buy less items. Because if you didn't have, like, the bags to carry them in, and if you forgot you were usable and you weren't willing to spend, like, the 15 cents or whatever it is for a plastic bag, people would just buy less items. Yeah. So I literally saw, I can't remember exactly where it was, but someone told me that they saw a decrease in the amount of items that were bought. Like, significant decrease, because people are like, I'm only going to buy how much I can carry. Right. Because I don't have my reusable bag or whatever it is. Also, maybe just because I'm a Costco shopper, but we don't need bags. No. No. <laughs> like, they're not needed. No. You can get by fine without bags. I get my brain up the Costco thing, just using packaging that already was made and existed and repurposing it. Carry your groceries. I don't see why a normal grocery store is going to do that either. I'm sure they yeah. get plenty of stuff in boxes. Well, the co-op I used to work at did that. We yeah. had a bin for boxes out front. If there were no boxes, people would get so mad about it. Yeah. They'd be like, well, there are no boxes out front. I'm like, sorry, you want a bag? It's 10 cents, but we can get you a bag. And they're like, no, I have some in the car. I'm going to run and get it. 
happen. Checks now. Of course. <laughs> so, weeding out plastic bags, I don't think would be. Well, it'd be hard, but very hard. I feel like isn't there a bigger issue with, like, what people use to bottle and package stuff? Because mm. you can't useless like, packaging. Really start making porcelain or glass bottles for everything. Yeah. Well, and glass isn't much better, is it? Like the amount of energy it takes to make a glass bottle. The thing is, is that like people view glass as so much better because it's renewable, or not renewable, but like reusable. reusable. But nobody reuses it. But so is plastic. Yeah. Like, you shouldn't necessarily drink water out of things that have BPA in any sort of. I can't think of the, what BPA actually is, but it, it like alters some of your body chemistry. And it's bad for you. Yeah, you shouldn't use that type of plastic to eat out. You can still, like, put things in it and do most of your plastic uses with it. Also, why does, like, bottled water for the majority of people, like, shouldn't, well shouldn't exist? Yeah. Like, people have access to clean drinking water and buy bottled water, and it really doesn't make any sense. You buy a water filter. Yeah. But, like, I mean, for places that don't have access, yeah. But uh, this is a whole other tangent, getting into, like, the big, uh, like, Nestle corporations that, drill into people's water tables, take all the water, and sell it back to them in plastic bottles. Ooh. <laughs> I'm getting started on something else, but, yeah, like, bottles, man. What a waste. And also, it's so much thicker than, like, a plastic bag. It's probably ten times the plastic. You know? Yeah. Like, plastic bags are so thin, but that's what's great about plastic, is it's still really strong. I remember I remember reading the article. I was working at a different grocery store out here in Colorado, so we still have plastic bags. And I only worked here for about four, no, it was close to six months. And um, I remember reading it within a few months, and I was just getting used to plastic bags, and I'm like, no, I'm going to give everyone paper if they don't care. Let's give everyone paper. And then I read that study on one of my lunches, and I came back, and I was just shook. <laughs> and I was like, no, my little California heart can't handle this. Like, we're not supposed to have plastic bags. <laughs> we're not supposed to have yeah. any of these. Like, it's all reusable bags, but they're worse for the environment. And so now I'm a little bit more pro-plastic bag and, like, fighting for them because if we just, I don't know, I feel like it's going to be worse for the environment if we get rid of all plastic bags. And people may hate me for that, and I'm sorry, but if it makes you feel better, I've had a, a Dutch Bros cup for about three days now that I just keep refilling because it's a plastic one and it's fine and my straw is fine and yeah, I, it's been my water bottle since Sunday morning. It's up to people, not regulations, to be responsible about how we use plastic. Yeah. It's the bottom line. And so, you have to change people's minds and convince them it's for the greater good. That's the hard part. <laughs> two things on that. I'd also like to clarify that all of us, I don't know about Riley, I've never seen have one, but... All of us use reusable water bottles. Like, like I have a me, I have a Hydro Flask. Leva has a knockoff Hydro Flask, and then Nikki has some other brand of one. I think Riley just uses like I use mason sweat. jars. Yeah, he uses glasses, mason jars. He just doesn't bring water like out with him. Like I he like, doesn't. like we do. Like generally though, so just know like in general we are using like reusable water bottles. And like ever since I made the switch, it was like I would never go back. It's just so much simpler to just be able to fill it up whenever, wherever, and like not have to worry about it. But my second thing was, it's really interesting, um, when I worked at the store that I worked at, is a pet store, and I'd always ask someone, like, instead of just assuming, I'd be like, do you want a bag today? And I'd say, like, seven out of ten people that, oh, no, actually, it's okay, I can get that. Like, thanks for asking. And same thing with a receipt, because we had a availability to print, email, or no receipt. 
so many people are like, no, I don't need a receipt. Yeah. Like, and you know, like so many people are like, oh, like, yo, with the plastic, like save a plastic tree. Like, you yeah. know, they're like, no, nah, I'm like, I'm fine. I can Hold carry on. this out. I carried this up here. I can carry it out. You know what grinds my ears? Hmm. When you say no receipt and then it comes out and they just throw it in the trash. It's like, I said no receipts. <laughs> I didn't want it to be printed. Yeah. I'll yeah. take it if it's printed no matter what. Yeah, that's fair. I'll, some places don't have the option, I don't think. I think it's just like an automatic print and then they just don't want to hand it to you to like be a pain. But I get that. But like for us, it was like no receipt was an option. You just hit like a button and be like no receipt and it wouldn't print anything. I would just say from working in grocery stores, Briar Patch was like that too. Um, we did eventually get a button that you could click no receipt or they could set it up in their account. But, you know, there were times when our system wasn't working right or if they were telling me about the funeral they just came from, I'm sorry, I'm not going to, I'm not going to ask them. I'm not going to interrupt to ask them, do you want a receipt? I'm going to click yes, print it out because otherwise people can raise a stink and if they don't want it, toss it. That's and fair. I, um, the other place I worked at, the other grocery store, it wasn't an option. People never wanted their receipts. They'd be like, oh, and no receipt and start walking away. It prints up automatically. So it's just, okay. That's fair. And then I've had people say, oh, well, if it printed up anyways, I'll take it. So I've had to like, dig right. back through my trash and yeah. <laughs> pull out the receipts of retail, man. <laughs> that could be a whole other topic. Grocery stores are a different kind of retail, though, and I think they're better. I think I appreciate them more than working at, like, Staples. Or... Oh, yeah, Staples was not. Staples was really cool to work for. <laughs> Top or, 10 investing I, I don't think we're ever going to get my life. sponsored by Staples. It's okay. They're a dying business. <laughs> so, and, uh, well, to preface it, I've learned, we talked a lot about this in my biology class two semesters ago, but hydroelectric, like specifically dams, mm. is now being realized is actually pretty harmful. Because of not only like interrupting fish migration patterns, um, but when you have a large, oops, when you have a large body of standing water, uh, it produces like a lot of the algae and bacteria that produce methane. Oh, okay. And methane is like one of the worst greenhouse gases. Uh, I don't know if it's worse or not as bad as CO two, but it's still like pretty bad. Yeah. But yeah, that has a lot of bad. Um, as far as uh, that goes and also it's kind of a way for like if the government puts in any sort of dam they kind of control the water flow then instead of just letting the water go where it goes i do support our current dam <laughs> the one that is not flooding our houses <laughs> yeah the, only because if it were not there right now we would not have homes yeah so that's probably different than like damming up a river yeah like i think it probably still produces more methane but you know it's not interrupting well well and it's more for our water source isn't it it's not so much for power energy yeah. there is i think one or two hydroelectric um, stations off of the horse tube but it's more for water well you might as well put them in if you're using it for water exactly. anyways all hydroelectric is is you put a turbine that just takes the energy of the water flowing over it and spins and creates electricity that way. So it's like, yeah, if, if water's already flowing, it's a good way to take advantage of it. But yeah, that's something that can 
that topic. Um, I was going to bring up something that Levi had told me about previously. So, in Russia, they have nuclear submarines or had nuclear submarines. Yeah. Well, this was at the end of the Cold War. Okay, and so they had built all these nuclear submarines, expecting to like you know go to war and whatnot, and try to be like more on par with other submarines because Russia is not one of the most advanced when it comes to military compared to like even like China or America, I'd say. They're not necessarily as advanced as us, so they're a little bit behind. So they had built these, but they didn't know how to handle the nuclear waste because they weren't going to be using it anymore. So they just them and they just let them sit and dock the uh, submarines, just like sit at a pier and just left them unattended. At the end of the Cold War and the collapse of the Soviet Union, they just disbanded the submarine force and left them. Like literally just left them, like walked away. We're not just like monitoring the reactor. Like they're really small on a submarine, you know, the comparatively. Scale, yeah, comparatively, but it's still a nuclear reactor. And uh, Germany actually the government of Germany paid a paid and I I don't I think they're done, but they basically like cut up the subs and took out the reactor and like capped it. But for X amount of time they were just literally melting down in the ocean. But they had to do that oh. because, you know, Germany at least had morals and we can't just let you pollute the world's oceans because if it gets in the water, people will be. Right. Radioactive material is radioactive. Oh, <laughs> for Germany. Yeah. That makes me also want to branch off to another little section of how many nuclear bombs were lost during like World War II and the Cold War. And, oh, lost? Yeah, lost. <laughs> for both, both sides. Yeah. And what like, does that mean? Uh, what do you mean? What's the unaccounted for at the end? Like they had this oh, many. Boy. United States had this many, but at the end we didn't use any, and we only had this many. Where'd they go? <laughs> and every time there's a violation, or you know, we sign a treaty limiting nuclear arms, it's violated by both sides and yeah. all sides every time. Like, oh, <laughs> yeah. I don't see the point in trying to limit it. It's like. I only need like three or four to ruin you. Yeah. That's what you just want. You just want enough nukes to be able to, if you get nuked, I'm going to nuke you back just as hard. It's just mutually assured destruction. Yeah, you don't. Exactly. I mean, really wouldn't take that many just to like wipe US off. Yeah. (laughs) But that's what's really interesting to me, Liv. I've talked about that is it's like if it ever gets to the point of nuclear war. I don't see how anyone comes out on top because there's going to be fallout after that because it's not like it's something that you can just nuke one area and then it doesn't affect anything else. No one's just going to not press the retaliate red button. (laughs) So, on that topic, I hate the idea of nuclear war. It's like, outside of like sci-fi and like, you know, how terrifying it is. Most of the time, wars aren't driven by people, driven by politicians. Yeah. I don't care I don't have any resentment towards the Chinese guy, you know, I'm not going to throw a name out if you're really racist. So. Anyways, the point <laughs> is, I have a problem with, with the leader, and, yeah. and that's vice versa, you know? Why, and likely, the guy who who's running the country is in a shelter two miles underneath the earth. That's not even going to be affected by it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's my problem with nuclear war. It's like, you're yeah. not even, you're not solving anything. Yeah. No, it's just destroying. It's, 
at that point when you get so angry that there's no rational thought and the leaders just decide, okay, that's it. Right. Take out all of humanity. Like, that's what it would turn into. You know what would be effective? Like, large EMP bombs to just knock out electronics. Mm. Well, you can use nuclear warheads as EMPs. Can you imagine? It, it creates an EMP, so you would detonate it like really you can use a bazooka to kill an ant, too, but... <laughs> uh, well, no, like, a really small warhead, like, could do a huge EMP over, like, the whole East Coast. And, like, radiation fallout, you know? As opposed to just, like, absolute annihilation. Right. <laughs> can you imagine, Mel, if someone were to, like, black out our country? Drop something to just end electronics? Oh, 24 hours? Everyone is like raiding shops and. Oh, it's gonna be. It would be. It would be a hot mess. Just to clarify, nuclear reactors aren't gonna blow up like a nuclear. No, reactor. no, 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 no. That's a different. <laughs> Some people topic. think that that's what can happen in a meltdown. That's huh. absolutely not how that works. It just made me think of with those ships yeah. being left and like the lost nuclear bombs. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay, so we can step away from nuclear reactors now. Um, you guys about fusion reactors at all? No. I thought it was more of the same. So a nuclear reactor that we use now, they're both nuclear reactors technically. It just means like reaction at the nuclear level. Right now we use fission, which is splitting atoms using natural dec decay of uranium. Okay. So then fusion would be combining atoms, yeah. right? Yeah, so you take something like the... Um, like, a fusion reactor is the ultimate goal because you can, like, a drop of water will power a whole city for, like, a month or something because wow. the amount of atoms... Like, fusion is a lot more sustainable um, in so many ways. But, like, the sun does fusion, mm -hmm. just to put that. Like, it, it doesn't fall apart. It fuses into heavier elements. And fusion releases more energy than fission as opposed to splitting apart. Am I mistaken, or wasn't there an experiment that they once did with fusion, um, or was it the particle accelerator? And it's I'm doing it confused. Where it was like I have like a two percent chance of just completely destroying the world. You're thinking of the Large Hadron Collider. That's it. Which okay. is a particle accelerator, which that was exaggerated. Okay. Which like not necessarily like a dumb clickbaity article, but like the science wasn't like really there, you know. Yeah, that's particle accelerator. Accelerator. Okay. I think it was specifically the LHC because that came online in 2012, and that was when was. Why are you under? Why are you going underneath the couch, Gryffindor? I'm getting rid of cats. But yeah, so fusion is like, it's just really hard to do because you basically have to smash things together really freaking hard to the point where atoms are bonding heavier elements. You take, you know, if you just took about the lightest element, hydrogen, so you smash two hydrogens together, that's why water, and you make a helium. So it's not even like you're making anything dangerous. There's no radiation emitted from this process. Right. It just makes an insane amount of energy. And there's a, there's a lot of different ways that we're looking into how to do it. It's been being researched since like the 50s, I think. And it's like a meme to be like, oh, that's 30 years away. Like, every year it's 30 years away because we kind of have to, <laughs> we have to make some big leaps. Like, we've made a lot of them, so I think I think it's definitely possible, but 
not going to be like next year or anything. Well, and I imagine it takes a lot of energy to get that started. And in order yes. to provide that energy and make it worth it, you need to be able to make it worth it that's, right away. That's the thing is making it energy efficient. We've actually done it. Yeah. But I think it took like eight megawatts to get going and to run it for the duration and it produced like two megawatts or something. Mm-hmm. Really like insane amounts of energy. But yeah. I don't know why this just popped in my head and it's just completely unrelated. I hope you guys are okay with that. But there's literally, okay, maybe you can help explain this better, but like he showed me this video where it's like there's this liquid that is so cold that it'll just slip through physical objects. Like glass. So, oh. like, I'm almost... Quantum cooling. Yeah, quantum cooling, where it's, like, they literally could, like, show that, like, they'd have, like, a glass, and they put it in, like, the glass container, and because the molecules are moving slower, because everything's moving, so, like, the glass container, like, the molecules inside of it are moving, well, and they were moving faster, or, like, whatever, right? And then, so the... Slow. It slows down. It slows down, so it makes it so slow that, like, it just slipped through. It was able to just fall between them, and just literally, like, come... It's the craziest Temperature is just movement. And when you quantum cool things, like liquid nitrogen isn't even as cold, but uh, I think that was with liquid hydrogen, because it's the lightest element, so it's the easiest to cool. And they got somewhere like 20 digits less than zero, or like less than Absolute one. zero, right. So it's like super, super close to absolute zero, but it's, you know, that's a theoretical temperature. It's like, how do you really do yeah. that? But it's so close that the atoms started to behave in a way like it would not matter where they just fell through things interesting and yeah you can see stuff like that on youtube it's a crazy thing yeah because it's so light they kind of just stop moving very much it's really crazy sorry that was completely random just i came to my mind i don't know if this is still true but i i feel like i heard it when my ap bio class way way back when but glass is actually a liquid that is constantly moving but it's Hmm. just very 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 slow yeah what yeah. Glass? Mm-hmm. Well, haven't you heard that? Like, you can never actually touch behaves, anything? Yeah, yeah that same sort of like... fused to it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's the thing. Is like, nothing's ever actually touching. It's one of those things well, that touch would be fusion. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, so you atomically, you can't. You just... It's electron... Re- Where they're always repelling like a magnet. Yeah, that's like what it is. Because every atom is surrounded by electrons. So when you pick something up, you're squeezing it and surrounding it. That's why, like... You can't grip something like this. Yeah. You know. Does that mean you're fusing yourself to super glue? <laughs> <laughs> I think that just has to do with uh, it's closer. the chemistry it's just word. Closer, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's probably like, positively charged to the electron in your skin or something. Or in everything. I don't know the chemistry of um, glue. Because <laughs> I always feel like there's some stuck afterwards that you have to dig yeah. out practically your skin to get mm-hmm. I'm going to flex my. Uh, my idiocy here with <laughs> science. So, Fusion, you're saying that we can, we can, we would be creating denser elements in, as a byproduct of a lot of energy? Just heavier, yeah. Heavier. Okay. Now, is it possible that we could create elements that aren't on our table? Do we know that? Mm. The last, like, mm-hmm. 10 or 12 mm-hmm. can only be created in the lab from okay. synthesis. Because they're too heavy. The heavier you get, the more unstable they are. So it's like uranium is like 236, because that's the number of um, isotopes? Uh, no, uh, neutrons. Neutrons. And like, 
It's a, it's a mix. It's an atom heavy, where if you look at uh, hydrogen, it's just a single proton. It doesn't have a neutron, so it's like really light. The next element heavier than that is helium, so you can use hydrogen and helium. Uh, I don't think that's how they got those elements in a lab, but yeah, they're so unstable, they just fall apart and degrade into the lighter elements. But it's really weird, because you can like, take like one of those, the step down, I don't know what the heaviest element that's naturally found is, but maybe like plutonium or something, and you make that into a, a new element just by adding protons and making it bigger, but then when it falls apart, it won't fall in, back into plutonium. It'll fall into like something with atomic number 37 and like 64 or something. It, so it'll be like copper and iron. It's really weird how that works. But. So, now, I'm guessing my tangent, but it's kind of related. Uh, let's, let's like turn our technology forward a couple thousand years of, I don't know what's realistic here. Yeah. But let's say we find, you know, we're, we're humans, we consume materials, and we're constantly in need of stuff, like gold, yeah. you know, for electronics. You know, we find a planet that's made entirely of whatever element that's high up in, in weight. We, could we potentially start grabbing that and, and busting it up into, into like, gold and other elements by breaking it down? Or is that something yeah. that's... Um, really not even feasible. That's a good question. I, that's probably more in the realm of sci-fi right now. But like, generally, you just try to look for the element that you want, and then that's enough. But in dire need, though, I imagine you'd have to have some sort of reaction with it. So you'd have to find yeah. something that would react with it to create the other element. Because we do that with chemical reactions all the time. You know, yeah, something make a lot of crap. But like, if you're looking mining uranium, you're not finding like a brick of you're finding it in like um, deposited by water in the ground and it's like trace amounts and then you grind that down and you use other chemicals to purify it to enrich uranium and then you get you know pure that where you start from like probably a rock the size of this to like that much uranium well yeah and good, yeah good demonstration for our viewers for our audio well, listeners mean, yeah if you start with like a chunk of ore the size of a car you probably get a pellet of uranium I imagine the size of a quarter like, and that's how we do it now I mean I don't know maybe we will be able to fuse elements easier but yeah one of the there's a couple different ways that it's been hypothesized to do cold fusion um, or just fusion in general but it creates a lot of heat so you want to like control it and uh, cold fusion one of the most leading ways is like use magnetism to once you make it the plasma from like the water, it's like this arc of plasma in a circle and you're controlling it with magnetism, but you have to line up the magnetism just right so it's not touching the walls. Not because it's gonna melt the walls, but because if it were to come in contact with any other solid, it would cool down and then the reaction would stop. But this is why it's so great because if we do get it to work and anything goes wrong, it just stops. You stop fusion by stopping. You can't stop fission in a nuclear reactor like you have now. That goes. We have to control it to slow it down. So I have a question. Um, we talked briefly about like geothermal, which is using kind of the Earth's heat. Mm -hmm. um, why are, 
are we using the heat that comes off of these reactions as another energy source or are we strictly focusing on like the steam you know in nuclear or it's completely surrounded by the water so all of that i mean not 100 but like in all definitions of all like using all that heat just to convert water to steam when you're saying fusion creates heat too right it just needs to be controlled is it so much that we can't harvest it? I think that's part of the problem being able to harvest that amount of energy. Um, but because I feel like that it's, would make it's it not like more... it's not like a steam reactor. Yeah, I just feel like it would be easier and more efficient if you use the heat as well as this combination. But you have to turn yeah. that heat into some sort of usable energy. True. Yeah. Put a little fish tank above it. <laughs> And immediately have the water evaporate. Yeah. Probably shatter the glass. It'll be fine. It's fine. We'll figure out. We'll work out the kinks. Yeah. That's why we're not theoretical physicists. Right. Um, I have a theoretical degree in physics. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, but that's something that I like to look at a lot and look forward to the future. Because free energy, it's not free energy in the true sense. Because there's no such thing. But so much more potential energy. And I think we're going to need that as a civilization to move on. Like, the more electronics we're going to need, more batteries and electricity, the higher our demand are going to go. I think that's an exciting thing to look forward to. Yeah. But for the current time, there's a, you know, a few other renewables out there. I'm a big proponent of solar because we talked about the government controlling but with solar, you can live off the grid and just make your own energy. The bad thing about it is... It's not necessarily reliable. The <laughs> side effect of having an atmosphere means you don't get a whole lot of solar radiation. And yeah. then it's like 30% efficiency or something in the highest solar panels. And then also like the transfer from the solar to like a battery or to the power, you also lose something too. It would be, it would be smart to set up a cabin way out in the woods put the solar on, don't use any energy in that cabin for a few years, just let it bank up in battery banks, and then go live out there. Well, then you need, you need to look at better battery technology yeah. that can last longer and store more, which we're getting there too, we're getting there with solar. Batteries are the bottleneck for most uh, energy sources. Yeah. Sorry, that sound was Levi hissing that cat. Right now our best, <laughs> not necessarily our best energy density, but the one that we might produce are lithium ion cobalt batteries. We're trying to get away from cobalt because it's a, uh, I forget the name, it's one of those resources that's like, the only way you can get it is from like the illegal mines in Congo and third world countries that are abusing the citizens. So it's definitely one of those resources we want to stay away from. Isn't that, yeah, we kind of discussed that where it's like you can make batteries that are way more efficient, but it's generally from cobalt and then the... Well, that's what we use now, like lithium ion is also cobalt because it acts as the cathode in leave. Or there's some sort of battery chemistry that like you need cobalt for. But the way that we can, yeah, like you said, the way that we can, uh, we're in kind of like, get it, harvest it, uh, is super unethical. Yes. It's not, it doesn't there's have a, there's to be. A term they just this. choose to not use ethical sources. A resource where the only way to get it is like. It's like the blood diamonds. Like, yeah, you know. it's a shame <laughs> way that you have to get it. 
and that's, yeah, not good. And I mean, then it's an interesting debate of like, okay, well, you know, I mean, if you think about it, and not specifically any things that we've talked about, but like, let's say we find a great renewable resource, but it requires people to not be treated properly. Is it worth it for the greater good? It's kind of, kind of derail a tiny bit. Spoiler alert, if you're watching The Last Ship, the first season. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. My phone, stupid watch, I'm just looking up things on freaking the web about renewable resources. Anyways, uh, spoiler alert, in case you're interested in watching The Last Ship, or you have, or whatever, this is going to be a spoiler for season one finale. There's basically a mass play that's going around, and it's killing a ton of people. And then at the very end of the final season, you find out that there's like the city is still being powered. You're like, well, how the hell are you being powered? They're taking the corpses and burning them in order to produce power. Yeah. Not that that's cleaner or anything. Like, I'm not saying Why that that's... you just, like, burn trees and fire bodies that are... Because there's... It's a season finale. <laughs> well, and there's millions of millions of people dying and dead. And the whole thing about this is that there's, like, a, a place where it's like, oh, this is where you go to be safe. Like, they have a vaccine. And so people that are sick are, like, going there thinking, like, oh, they may have a vaccine for us. And then they take you in the back and they shoot you up with something that kills you. And then they use your body to burn to keep the city alive. The city for the elected, quote-unquote, official okay, who is currently right. running it. I have an issue with this. <laughs> if you're going to use human bodies for that, use them as fertilizer to just grow trees like a regular civilization that wants to burn something. I think it's just faster Are they, are they, are they dehydrating the people first? I don't know. We're wet. We're goopy. We're made of water. They we don't burn us. well. You even told us, Riley. I don't know. I'm not going to watch this show. It sounds stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I do have to say, that brings up an interesting argument that might be worth a, a quick sidestep of... Um, like, is it worth it to have all the luxuries we do knowing how they're, how poorly people are treated when getting it? So, like, chocolate is a big one that if it's not fair trade certified, <laughs> oftentimes the people that are harvesting the cocoa beans and going through and, like, creating it, it's really, really bad for them. And they're not treated well at all. And there's a huge, like, slave trade amongst it and, like, it's this mess of a thing. And is it worth it? Would you give up chocolate for those people that all be free? Yeah. It's really interesting because a similar thing is fashion, you know, like yeah. the way that fashion is made. And then also, like, the resources it takes is, like, cotton and stuff. Like, I mean, that takes a lot of resources just to harvest. And, you know, fast fashion is, like, a hot topic of, like, well, you know, is that appropriate to do? Is it, like, you know, morally correct to just buy something because it's cute and it's in style? And then... How much resources went into creating that? Not to mention sweatshops mm -hmm. and everything from China. I you mean, can really go in depth, and there's people yeah. that do that go very no waste, minimalistic, like do their research on everything, and I think that's fantastic. I just don't know that that's viable for everyone because I think a lot of times, in order to get things at that cheap price, that's what they do is they cut corners by oh, not yeah. treating people fairly, and a lot of time that's not an option. Either you can have a shirt on your back or you can't, and you can't afford to spend $150 for something that's ethically created. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's just an interesting thing that you could get way, way into, and I know we oh, have absolutely. a lot of time, but it's just, if we took away everything... That could be a new topic, even. <laughs> yeah, but if we took away everything that was unethically made, there'd be very, very little left. In It'd be world. really interesting to see what was left. Yeah. You have any last thoughts, maybe, before we wrap up? Uh, yeah. Uh, Lithium ion. Talking about better. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> we definitely the red there. Um, it's really not harmful to the environment the way that we get our lithium ion. 
lot of people like spread the misinformation of like strip mines of lithium ion, but the way lithium comes out of the crust is through deposition in water. So you basically like go out into the middle of this desert. I think right now, like I want to say somewhere in Central or South America, and they just dig these giant pits, fill them with water. The water evaporates, and then they scrape up the dirt and refine the lithium out of that. Wow, that's interesting. And they're not using chemicals or anything. It's not invasive at all. Yeah. So that's one of like the. It's actually one of the cleaner, better ways. ways. Yeah, for. Yeah, but a lot of people like. You see people who just don't like electric cars for whatever reason saying like, "Oh, you think gas is bad? Look at lithium strip mine." It's like you have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> And then, obviously, there's wind energy, um, tidal energy, and stuff like that. But there's a, I know there's one big tidal energy somewhere in Europe where they do it on a couple channels, and they take advantage of canals that, that and spots where the tide gets really extreme. Mm -hmm. And then they're actually able to generate electri a lot of electricity. They do um, pretty good environmental impact reports first, make sure the... It's not going to disrupt like any migration patterns. That's right? really nice. Yeah. 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 It's always going to disrupt something at some point, but as long as it's not like killing all the whales or yeah, stuff like that. But I think, yeah, yeah that's about all I want to talk about. Yeah. Well, hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode. I know I found it a lot more interesting than I thought I would when Levi had originally, originally brought it up. I believed in him. <laughs> well, I guess your sister-in-law believed in you more than your wife. <laughs> Sorry, babe. No, it was really interesting to talk about it. And if you guys have any thoughts on this, I maybe you're very passionate about it. You can email us at roguerambling at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook or Instagram at roguerambling's. Facebook, two words. Instagram, one word. Our Twitter is roguerambling's underscore. And I think that's all we have for you guys this week. If you have any topic ideas, Vivian's amazing. Sent us a ton. Um, I think next week I'm going to delve into one of the ones that she brought up, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun because I think it's going to cause some controversy, and I'm excited for that. So hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode. If you did, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps out our hearts. <laughs> hopefully we're going to keep you kind of entertained during this quarantine and share us with your friends and all that good stuff, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye! Bye. Bye.